And we're back for another episode of Startup Hustle, a podcast for entrepreneurs by entrepreneurs. If you want to start, own, or build a business, then you're in the right place. We bring you the real truth about what it's like to take something from concept to launch, from growth, innovation, experience, failing, or winning big, we've got you covered. So let's get down to business with another episode of Startup Hustle, brought to you by Fullscale.io. And we're back, back for another episode of Startup Hustle. Matt DeCourcy here to have another conversation I'm hoping helps your business grow. You know, people listen to this show all over the world, and thank you for that. And everywhere all of you are, there's a different reality when it comes to being a startup founder, to starting a business. We all have a different landscape, uh, economy, country, state, local, everything. And that changes the way that we have to open our businesses, the things that we have to consider, the amount of funding and resources that may exist, a whole lot of different stuff. And that's what we're going to talk about. We're going to talk about what it's like to be a founder in the Midwest. In the Midwest, and I know a couple of things about that. Why? Because I'm from Kansas, good old Kansas, which, by the way, is the least visited state by tourists in the U.S. And that tells you a little something about some market conditions there. So we're going to talk all about that and and more. But first, I want to let you know that today's episode of Startup Hustle is brought to you by Fullscale.io, helping you build a software team quickly and affordably. That's my company, and I'm looking forward to helping you build the team that you want and need and do it quickly and affordably. Go to fullscale.io. With me today, I've got Ken Mon. Ken is the CEO and founder of Area Hype. You can go to areahype.com. Don't even worry about how to spell that. Just scroll down to the show notes and click the link. Ken, welcome to Startup Hustle. Yeah, thank you so much for inviting me out here, Matt. I'm really, really appreciative to be here. Yeah, I'm appreciative of you taking the time to talk about a subject that we're both pretty familiar with. And, you know, let's just go ahead and dive right in. Let's get started with uh, giving the listeners and myself a little bit of your backstory. Yeah, so my backstory was really interesting, right? So I was based out here in Midwest. Um, I grew up in Wichita. And, you know, there's not a whole lot of startup movements out here, at least back when I started in 2008, when I was 16. And so everyone's like, hey, this guy's going to be crazy. He's going to do something and he's, he's going to make this million dollar business. And I was like, yeah, I'm going to do it. And <laughs> long story short is you go through these business runs, right? And what you end up happening is, well, ultimately you fail. And so I started thinking, I was like, okay, why am I failing? And what ended up happening is I started learning along the way. So since 2008 until now, uh, I've been a part of 14 different startup journeys. So I've been a co-founder slash founder of eight of them. And there's a lot of failures. Uh, there's the you know 2080 2080 rule really applies here. <laughs> Only 20% of the startups I've actually worked with, which is really successful, or not crazy successful, but successful enough, which made me enough money to move on to the next thing, and to really learn hyperscale myself. And 80% completely failed. Um, but it was just like a huge learning curve. And based on that learning curve, I mean that's what really powered myself to keep learning and saying, hey. I want to keep learning and, and figuring out why I failed so that I don't do it the next time. And, and really the whole hustle has been really difficult because we don't have access like people on the West coast or the East coast to traditional uh, angels, VCs, and people who say, Hey, look, I want to be a mentor for you. I really want to help you out. 
And so based on that, I mean, I, I learned most of that myself. And at the end of the day, I realized, well, if no one knows who you are, it's really hard to get investors. And it's really hard to avoid obstacles unless you make the mistake before and, and learn how to not, not to do them. So since then, I took my learnings and I got recruited into an accelerator um, in Austin, Texas. And it's, it's a remote accelerator called NewChip. And based on that, I've been working with 116 founders uh, every month. And so I work with them from strategy, SEO, uh, marketing, user experience, a little bit of consulting, a little bit of mentoring, but mainly it's, it's really my job to help them avoid obstacles. And as I've been doing that, they really, really just got me passionate about launching my next startup. And so that's when I came up with Area Hype. Um, but outside of that, you know, like all the other founders, it's, it's us wanting to give back to the community. And so I really joined um, some investor groups and started investing in other startups. And I've invested in about 23 companies, all from uh, either private deals or, or on crowdfunding. And based on that, uh, I've, I've gotten three exits. So I got one acquisition, I have two IPOs. And from there, I really just started escalating, you know, who I was started, people started reaching out to me saying, Hey, you know, it looks like you have this on your profile on your LinkedIn, you know, is there some way that I can work with you or you can help me? And, I, and for me, it's been a great experience. The more I've learned, the more I was able to teach other people. And I've really just wanted to help give out um, to other founders or, or people wanting to start startups here in the Midwest. So that. That's why I wanted to join the show and say, hey, this is what I have to offer. Um, this is where I can help other people. And, and it doesn't even necessarily mean that you have to be strictly here in the Midwest. Um, anything that's learned from the, the founding side or the investing side could really translate across, you know, any, any country. Yeah, I agree. And, you know, for those of you listening, last week we heard from Kansas City's top startups and, you know, kind of keeping with the Kansas City theme. I thought it'd be great to get you in, in, in on the show because, well, first off, uh, dude, you've done a lot of stuff at 26 years old. And, you know, I mean, I think that's that's awesome. We were talking about about that recently, about how, you know, I was having a conversation with a different startup founder and, you know, I'm 46 years old. And, and honestly, man, you know, 15 years ago, I mean, the whole quote startup scene was really kind of popping off at that point. And, um, you know, we, we were, we were just saying, man, what would, what would our lives have been like if we had started doing what we do now at like 20? you know, rather than 30 or whatever. And uh, I think, I think it's a, a big in, uh, endorsement for anyone that wants to start a business. Like, I mean, dude, you're talking about being 16 years old, you know, or whatever. It's never, you know, Hey, the right time never comes to start a business. You just kind of got to jump and build wings at some point. There's a lot to do to make sure you have the stuff to build the wings before you take that leap. But, you know, overall there's uh, you know, you just got to get out there and do it. Now, when we talk about the Midwest and, you know, for once again, for those of you listening, you know, we've had listeners in 190 countries and um, I don't think everyone knows where we are and we're in Kansas. So Kansas City, right here in the middle of the country, the 25th biggest market in the U.S. It's it's not huge and it's not sexy, but there's a big startup scene here. Uh, now, with that, uh, I, I often talk to people who talk about the same problems and you even you even mentioned it, that one of the things is access to capital. Um, there's money that flows in for that, but it is certainly not as robust of, uh, of a, of a bank account and, and volume as you'll find in, in bigger areas. So, 
I mean, do you think that that is the biggest gripe that you hear from Midwest founders and what you've experienced yourself? Yeah, I, I really believe that there's a lot of founders out here that, you know, we're, we're kind of uppers un, are underrepresented as far as, you know, where good startups could be. I mean, most people think, you know, you have to be a Harvard graduate, a Stanford graduate. You need to be on the East Coast, West Coast, L.A., San Francisco. Um, but that's not the case. I mean, there's really great, great, like great ideas. doesn't matter. They come from anywhere. Um, and what I think is, you know, here in the Midwest, you know, most founders, uh, you know, they may have a really great idea, but I, I think one of the biggest things is getting validation, right? So, so you can go out and say, Hey, I'm going to raise capital. Um, but I've done this a couple of times saying, look, this is a really great idea. I'm showing my idea to people got the validation. Um, but the thing is, it's it's when you're raising capital, no one knows who you are, right? I mean, we're here in the Midwest. I mean, <laughs> you're reaching out saying, hey, this is this is what I want to do. Um, you know, most of these investors that I've ran into in the past, they just, they really underlook us because they're like, okay, well, nothing really comes out of, you know, Kansas, right? <laughs> so we're, we're just off in the in the wonderlands. And based on that, um, they, they'll, they'll, they'll say, look, I, I only invest in places that are on the East Coast or places on the West Coast. And, and really, I've only ran into about six or seven different funds um, here in the Midwest, but none of them are really in Kansas or, or, or Missouri at all. Yeah, while those funds aren't here, I, uh, on, on the flip side of that, I've seen a little more activity than just a few funds that, I mean, mainly people I know through this show that are involved. That, well, let's just put it this way. The investors, you, you look at these, these pockets. So you take New York City, you take... San Francisco, you take places like Miami and Chicago and you get a lot of density. I mean, there's tens of millions of people in these cities and therefore you just based on volume have a lot more people doing a lot more stuff. Now, the problem is, is once you get out of these very finite geographic areas, it's a big map. It is a really big map. And most of these investors, they don't know where to go. You know, they don't know, should I be in Kansas? Should I be in Billings, Montana, you know, or wherever? And and really, in the end, I think some of that, the geography swallows, you know, all of us up and makes it look pretty, pretty, uh, pretty small. Now, there's an easy way to overcome that. You, I mean, you got to make yourself known. Um, I think that too many people in the Midwest have have created a self-limiting belief that because you're from Kansas City, that you can't do X, Y or Z. Just don't expect everyone to immediately know who you are or be able to walk around the corner and meet you at a coffee shop. That's the kind of stuff that happens in the Valley. You just, I mean, well, you're literally have a startup called Area Hype and I consider myself to be a master of hype. You got to create the hype. I mean, it's just that simple. If you're not willing, wanting, or able to go out and make yourself known, you shouldn't be frustrated or expect anything other than to be unknown. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, <laughs> I mean, that's literally how my whole journey began. It's, it's, I just created the hype. I went out, talked to people, networked, told them about what I was doing. And, you know, everything that I always tell people, you know, when they're starting up startups, it's even if you don't have your product or your service, you need to get out there. You need to tell people, you need to post on LinkedIn two to three times every week, just telling, you know, this is what I'm doing. These are the people I'm connecting with, take photos with them. So just, you know, just last or just this week since Sunday, I was at an investor conference, right? No one knows about area hype from other places. You had investors coming in from uh, New York, California, Baltimore, Florida. And I was saying, hey, dude, 
I'm working on Airy Hype. Uh, I had my little pitch deck on my phone, had a couple screenshots of the app we were launching in January, and I just showed everyone. I right? showed everyone, and then I took pictures with some of the other founders who, you know, they've raised, you know, 35 million plus. Um, I met Jan, the CEO of Virtuex. He got an investment from Mark Cuban, took that photo, put it on LinkedIn, showed other people, and I just got really good response. And for me, I'm always tagging, hey, I can't wait to launch Area Hype. So always just getting it out there. And that's what every founder has to do. You have to have that tenacity and, and the, really that grit just to let people know this is what you're doing and do it in a way where you're not you know, annoying them, but saying, hey, you know, I'm a founder too. We're like-minded people and I want people to know what I'm doing. And, and those are typically the founders you know, that I've also invested in that win. I mean, they have the diehard, like, the, like undying will to say, look, I want to get out there. I want to make myself known. You always have to be selling. And yeah, I mean, I'll just say a quick story. I mean, I missed my flight. Um, Uber driver was late picking me up to take me to the airport. I was literally one minute late from the 30 minute um, onboarding. And they said, Ken, you can't get on the flight. And I said, well, I, I'll make it through the gate. Like there's 29 minutes. And they said, no. So rather than me moping around saying, I'm just going to sit around, I, I said, okay, I'm going to take an Uber. I'm going to go back out into the city. And yeah, I literally networked. I went out, um, you know, different local restaurants, bars, food trucks in Austin, and I networked until 3 a.m. And then I flew, I, you know, I got the Uber back to the airport, and then I flew back. Like I didn't even sleep. And that, that's what founders have to do to be able to show people and, and really just get known. And, and that's part of the reason why you barely hear my voice. It's just nonstop go, go, go. That's what every, you know, what I believe every founder needs to do here in the Midwest just to get known. Yeah, there's a simple phrase that comes to mind. How bad do you want it? You know, I mean, it's just really that simple. And, you know, I, I, I talk to too many people that feel like what they're doing should be noticed, recognized, or heard about, and they're not doing anything to help people hear about it. So I'm going to tell a story about Ken now. So I didn't know Ken a month ago, maybe two months ago. And, you know, you've, you're here in Kansas city from Wichita now. And I noticed the, one of the first things that you did, and I'm assuming that it was to more than just me was reach out to people that were doing stuff in the town that you lived in. And you basically sent me a message along the lines of, um, you know, I should have brought it up, but I didn't. It was like, Hey, you know, I'm, I'm here in Kansas city from Wichita and I like what you're doing with startup hustle. I'd love the chance to be on the show and, you know, or meet up or, you know, any of that. And it, I mean, and it's just that simple in some regards. And you, and you know, one of the things that I'm a firm believer in is if you can't create hype for yourself and your company in your own hometown, then you're probably not going to create it anywhere else. You got to get good, like where you're at. And I mean, that's a, a great base. And, you know, with full scale, that's where we started. And we have more clients from Kansas city than anywhere else. There's a hometown advantage that you need to take advantage of. And it can be as simple as asking. And, you know, I, I, uh, if I were a sales consultant and I am on some levels for people that ask, you know, I will, the first thing I always want to know is, is what you're doing. Does that involve asking for the sale? And, and you have to ask like, and you got to grow some courage and not be afraid to ask, uh, ask for mentorship, ask for advice, ask for inclusion, ask for interviews, ask for exposure, ask for anything, 
the worst thing that's going to happen is someone's going to say no or just not reply. And this is a volume enterprise, people. It is the more people you ask, the more response you're going to get, the bigger the network gets. And then, you know, and, and you know what? The people that don't reply to you, who cares? Focus on the ones that are interested in what you're doing, how you're doing, or any of it. Because, you know, quite honestly, most founders were in your spot at one point, you know? I mean, and and there's a there is a very... There's almost like an unwritten rule where founders want to help other founders out that are in earlier stages because there were people that helped us out. And you don't have to climb the mountain by yourself. Asking those that are already on top to simply pull you up is a brilliant strategy. Yeah, I, I totally agree. I mean, that's <laughs> that's literally what I've done with you know everything I've done since July. Right. So one of the things that I realized was, you know, I came from a corporate background. I was working at Exxon and, and on Exxon, we had Yammer, right? That was literally the Facebook for corporates. And I had no LinkedIn presence whatsoever. So like if there's like one key takeaway, I can recommend any founder, no matter where you are, is start building up your LinkedIn connections. And, and it really works on two levels. One, you get connected with people where you can say, hey, you know, um, this is what I'm doing. People can look at your profile. They know, hey, you're doing, you're a founder or you're an investor or or what, you know. And then from there, you could say, hey, these people are. They're saying they're mentors. They're saying they're investors. They're saying they're other founders. And you can really pick their brains on all sorts of aspects. And as you build up your connections list, as people start to know you, they start to get curious and they start saying, hey, you know, he's not some random guy. And I, you know, I, I want to know him and I want to be able to help him because maybe I can learn from him. Maybe he can help me in some degree, because I'm going to give back and, and karma really helps out in the future. And so what I did is I just hyperskilled my connections list. So I started in July 12th with LinkedIn. <laughs> I had 70 connections, just some people that I remembered from college. I added them. And then from there, I've been networking like crazy. I think I'm almost at 28, 2,800 connections in under five months. And and really, it's um, you know it's it's been a lot to just Know, going out, reaching out to people, um, attending any type of event I can, you know, whether it's a, a Zoom event, whether, you know, maybe it's like Carta has an event. I joined the Carta event, the investor panels, and I joined, you know, the pitch events. And then I joined, you know, I just joined everything really just to get myself out there and also just speak with people who potentially could be my customers, um, could potentially be my clients. Because really at the end of the day, um, it, it's about knowing who your clients are, getting connected with them, getting connected with other people who already have clients, and then piggybacking off of that and and really learning like what is the best way to validate that my product or my service works really well and how many people can I help with it? And do people actually agree that it actually solves a problem? Does it help people? Because when they, they see that from you, then they say, you know what, Ken, I love this idea. There, I, I know like 10 other people who would be interested in this. And what's up happening is you get that connection and it really just spider webs out. People start marketing you for who you are and what you do without you having to do all the work. And that's that's part of why I've grown so fast as far as individual. And it, it's crazy, right? Because that also translated into my brand and it translated into my company area hype. And so the principle is pretty similar to what Elon Musk does, right? So he, he tweets on Twitter. Right? And so he has a larger following than Tesla has. 
but then people start following him and they say, Hey, you know, I want to, I want to do what Elon's doing. I want to know what he's going to do next. I want to know what he's talking about before it happens on Tesla. Right. So it's all these different things. And I want to know about him before SpaceX. Right. And then he really just became this icon. And so that's what I've been learning based on following him. And, and that's what I've been doing. And now people have gotten interested in me and I say, Hey, this is what I'm doing. And then I got, I, I've gotten like 10 offers to join different, you know, <laughs> advisory boards for different startups. Now, at the end of the day, it's, it's a matter of, well, I don't have time to say how hey, I'm commit to all these startups. So I, I selected a few of them that really have a, a, a very synergetic relationship with, with my own company, Area Hype. And yeah, I mean, one of them is, I'll just give two shout outs. <laughs> uh, one of them is Wednesdays. Uh, so with Wednesday, we're literally the hotels tonight or Airbnb. Right. And so we, we just, we're raising on start engine right now. I think we launched about three weeks ago. Uh, we raised 419, or 421k last I checked within those three weeks. And that's been a really good op door opener. Um, because when I go out and I network with people, I say, Hey, you know, I'm working on airy hype, finding out what to do last minute. And there's Wednesday, right? So with Wednesday, we let you book things that would have been on Airbnb right? and, and we let you book them last minute. Right. And so at the end of the day, the property owners last minute, it's getting closer to the end of the month. Their bookings aren't filled. Well, we list those same bookings up to 60% off. And based on that, it's like, Hey, you have something last minute to do, or you're going to stay last minute. And that, that's a really good opportunity for me to leverage my, my partnership, my, my board of advisor seat saying, look, I'm also part of Wimsay. This is what we're doing. And this is how we're going to synergize together. And the other company that I'm on is, is status ring. The status ring has literally been, a game changer for me. Um, and, and he's just a very underrepresented founder. Um, you know, I mean, be, people don't even know he exists. And, and for me, I've been promoting him like crazy. Um, he literally created a ring with an NFC chip in it. And that ring is your digital business, business card. So when I go out to these conferences, I don't carry any cards. I see all these other investors, these founders carrying stacks and stacks of cards. And <laughs> man, their pockets are full. They're losing their cards. People are losing their cards. And then it's just all over the place. So for me, I, I give people a quick handshake. I have the status ring on my hand. I just touch their phone. Boom, it pops up with my LinkedIn. They add me right then and there. And so it's been crazy powerful. And I believe with, with that, the way we're going to help, you know, Airy Hype grow is it's not just growing my LinkedIn, but with the NFC capability uh, and the app that they're building, I can change the ring to say, hey, you know, I want it to say download Airy Hype and prompt people to download Airy Hype. And so when we launch in January, that's going to be crucial to our success and launching. And so it's a matter of once you get out there and you start learning about other people and you say, Hey, I want to help other people grow. Well, then you can also leverage them, right? Leverage their connections, leverage their utility. And that's literally what takes you to the next level. And so as I've been doing this, even though our company isn't launched, I mean, I think our, like I looked the other day on, on Crunchbase, we're ranked 31,000. We're outranking companies that are making 10 million, $20 million in revenue. And that's just because of the way I've been networking, the way that people have been looking us up on Crunchbase, trying to find out who we are. And, and my goal is I, I want to get you know below that. I want to be in the top 20,000 before we even launch. And then when we launch, I want to be in the top 100, right? We're, we're literally going to make it. And that's just because of my undying will to say, hey, I'm going to get us out there and get people to know who we are. Yeah. And, you know, we talk about all of this and it's easy for, so you, I have a couple of tips with LinkedIn and a couple of things. I also want to move down the line with our conversation to talk about some of the other things, some of the other challenges to overcome as Midwest founders. And before we do that, 
A quick reminder that today's episode of Startup Hustle is brought to you by Fullscale.io, helping you build a software team quickly and affordably. And I actually want to talk about local talent and thinking globally with that here in a minute. Now, in regards to LinkedIn, um, you know, so I, I have 25,000 connections and it's just to give you perspective, it's taken me like four or five years to get to that. I mean, it, it, LinkedIn isn't one of those things that you just usually don't go viral on. They have limitations for how many people you can, you know, send requests to. And, you know, just, I mean, there's a whole, a whole science to that, but really overall with all of the things that I, I look at building your, your network and creating hype the same way I look at things like SEO, like there isn't like an instant solution to that, unless you have a big bank account and you can just buy the promo. Now, most of you don't. So um, you have to look at this as like, you got to do a little bit at a time. Like currently LinkedIn will only let you request about a hundred connections a week right now. So now it used to be a lot more, um, but you have, that means that you have to be consistent. You can't just decide one week you're going to build up your network and then you send out a hundred connections and then wah, 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 it's over. But LinkedIn doesn't need to be the only thing you're focused on. You know, you can, there are a, a million different things and, and I recommend that you create just like an actionable list of things that you have to be consistent with and remember to do. And so many of these things, this is going to be TMI. Um, and, and I don't want you to visualize this. I swear to God, I've built half my LinkedIn connections in the bathroom. Because <laughs> you're just like, or, or doing something else, you know, you're just like, what can I do right now? And you just see, you know, it's like little, if you're going to eat an elephant, you got to do it one bite at a time. Yeah. Like I said, maybe TMI there, but it's true. So when I find moments where I have nothing else to do, I might open LinkedIn, send a couple of requests. And then what happens is you will hit an inflection point and you get enough people following you or tagging you. Then you get now my, my LinkedIn connections are largely fueled by people asking to connect to me. And I'm also almost at the point where I'm at the limit. Uh, so you get 30,000 as the max on LinkedIn before people just have to follow you. So I've become increasingly picky. So now I'm actually spending time thinning out some of my old connections or whatever. Now with that, oh, please go back and listen to some of the episodes about LinkedIn that we have on here because there are some things that people do that is anti-progress. Um, you know, like the moment you connect with someone on LinkedIn, do not start blowing them up and... <sighs> You know, like, I hate that. I hate that. Like, and, and I also hate the messages that are like clearly spammy. Like, I don't care that you and I have a bunch of common connections. And that's the reason that we should connect. That doesn't mean anything to me. I look at that and I'm like, wow, your spam bot is, is really firing on all cylinders today. You know, so some of that's really boring and, and it just makes me feel like, you know, there's no value provided there. So typically when I make a connection on LinkedIn, I mean, I'm, I mean, half, I, I'm, I let it bake for a while. I don't want to ever be the guy that's like, Hey, I got a new connection. And like, Hey, this, 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 I get some people send me three and four messages in the first couple of days of accepting the connection requests. And I just simply reach up and remove the connection at that point. Cause <laughs> if this is what you're like before I know you, what are you going to be like if I acknowledge it? And, and it's true because the people that you want to network with, 
and connect with are busy and they have their time's valuable. And if the, if, I don't know, if you get the, if you give out the idea that you're going to be, it's one thing to have a connection. It's another thing to have an annoying connection. All right. So as we move down to, I want to talk about a couple other things before we run out of time. Uh, one of the things that I often hear a lot in the Midwest and, you know, here in Kansas city, I've heard it return referred to in the past as the brain drain, and it was referencing the larger cities and companies reaching into the Midwest and pulling some of the tech talent out, having, you know, people moving to California, Seattle, wherever. Um, it's real. It happens. But it should you shouldn't see that as limiting. I mean, that's part of why we started Full Scale is to help provide access to the resources that tech companies need. I mean, we make finding hyper-talented developers in the Philippines, super easy. And I mean, that's our whole business model. And, you know, there are, whether it's us or someone else, you can find the access to talent out there, whether it's local or global and in a, rem- in a tech industry that really, really wants to be remote in general, it doesn't matter if they're not there in your hometown and you can't drive down the street and meet with them in the same room. It shouldn't matter if they're one, if they're one or two cities over or if they're in the Philippines or wherever, because if we're just doing, I mean, we're recording this podcast virtually, you know, it's like, I mean, sure. So that was our biggest objection that we would run into prior to COVID is well, we really like to have everyone in the same room. Okay, how's that going? How's that gone the last couple of years? Because it hasn't been possible for a lot of folks. And, you know, with that, you can look at your approach, you can still find local talent. And even though it's going to probably be more expensive, uh, there are ways to approach that from a dollar cost averaging, you know, get get some amazing leaders, and then you can find the other pieces and different. And, you know, there's a lot of a lot of accessibility out there. And there's a lot of people that want, want to uh, be involved. And also with that, don't assume that because you're an early stage startup that people would rather work at Facebook or Google, because that's not necessarily the case. Like that's like Globo Corp to most people. Like they, they're like, Hey, I don't really find a lot of passion in writing code that helps people post what they're eating for dinner on their feed, you know? So there's a, a lot of, a lot of uh, talent whether it be local or global, uh, has an interest in being involved in things that they find meaningful as well. What's your experience with all that? Yeah, it's it's definitely hard, right? When, when you're thinking about it, most people have some type of idea which requires some type of technology, at least nowadays. I mean, unless you're brick and mortar or you're you know artisan craft something, um, it's it's just a it, it's kind of an issue, right? So you have people that say, hey. How do I get a tech person or, hey, we're not going to invest in you because you don't have a tech co-founder, right? And and here in the Midwest, there's so many startups, you know, like I don't even advertise. I do front-end development, right? So so like when people find out that, then they're like, hey, can I mean, you do all these designs and these stuff and, you know, can you can you build this for me? And so, so like you said, it's like, you know, when people develop stuff, they don't want to go out and just build like some random things. I mean, it has to be meaningful. So my biggest advice to that is just, you know, really get to know the person first. And then based on that, they build, they build trust, right? They trust you. They understand like, this is what you're doing. And if what you're doing is meaningful or impactful to them, that's when, that's when, you know, based on your trust and you say, Hey, you know, I'm doing this. I need help. Is this something that you'd be interested in? And they say, well, maybe. 
And then that's for you to sell them your idea. Like your job as a founder is to be the number one salesperson of your company. And by doing that, you also have to realize that the number one salesperson, even though you're trying to be number one, is not you. The number one salesperson is never the salesperson. It's the customer, right? So if your customer is telling you, right, or your, or your new hire or your co-founder is telling you, this is what I want, you sell them that, right? So for me, when I found my co-founder, I was looking for, I was like, man, I need someone to do this back end. It's going to be crazy. We're building this new API Zapier-like integration. We're building Google 2.0. I designed everything. I just don't have the time to learn and know how to do the back end, the machine learning and all the other stuff because I recently picked up a friend. And so that, that's like not in my, at least not in my short-term capability saying, look, I, I can I can learn all that and then do it. So I reached out everywhere and, you know, me not knowing a whole lot of people. And you got to realize developers are really hard to find. There's no, there's no like, hey, LinkedIn for developers. Everyone come in and, and join developers. And the reason being is- Good, good they don't developers be... are hard to find. You can find developers everywhere, but good ones are hard to find. Yeah. Right, right, yeah. right. And you don't, they, they don't even like to be solicited, right? Because you got to think about at the end of the day, we're, we're like the most sought after co-founders, right? People, people want to pitch them everything. And they're, you know, nine out of 10 times, it's like, no. So for me, I, I, I pitched to so many people. I, I looked on F6S. I looked at Y Combinator Startup School. And really what resonated to me is, is I found my co-founder. He's been backed by Y Combinator twice. And he just really wanted to solve this particular problem of, of leveraging and, and, and helping people become influencers. And for me, I said, look, I understand your problem. And I understand my problem is I want people to know about what's, hap- what's happening in, in, in you know, underrepresented places like Kansas City, like Wichita, right? Because there's always something happening and nobody knows, right? And so you have things like meetup.com, you have things like Facebook groups, you have things like Eventbrite. But the, the problem with those things is unless someone you know invites you, odds are you're going to say, hey, you know, there's a thousand people in this group, 500 people say they're attending, and there's like three people that show up, right? And so that's a huge problem. And I really wanted to solve that. And so I have Orange Joe, he's like, hey, I, I really want to solve. Uh, influencers and I realized well if you connect the dots influencers can promote these SMBs and you have this connection where you get more people going and so I, I pitched him my idea and I said look this is what I want to do and he said you know I, I'm working at a unicorn company um, Terra AI so he's working at Terra AI and I was like dude this is what I want to do this is what I want to solve I understand you told me what you want to solve and I believe we could do this and so I pitched him everything he wanted he wanted he literally told me, this is what I want. And, and we came to the terms of, you know, hey, I'll, I'll give you the same amount of ownership as I have in the company, right? Because at the end of the day, I mean, we're, we're both going to get diluted, but I gave him what he wanted. And based on that, I was able to convert him, right? So I literally converted one of the top talents, Y Combinator, you know, twice backed, you know, engineers. <laughs> and, and it was all based on just knowing what he wanted and building that trust. I mean, most people don't realize that. And so when they solicit great engineers, it's like, dude, I'm just going to tell you this idea, blah, blah, blah. But you don't even have the trust. You don't even know what they want. So that's why they say no. So, so that's, that's my biggest advice to other founders trying to find um, tech co-founders is, is really just understanding what, what problems people are interested in, building the trust and saying, okay, I can utilize what you're interested in, what I'm interested in. Let's come up to, with a solution that leverages both. And then there's a happy medium. And, and odds are, when I've been telling my other, you know, 116 founders that I work with at the accelerator every month, you know, they're, 
like by just opening their eyes to that principle, they've been able to find better talent. And, and on the other side, it's, it's understanding people. Like when you're looking for, for people for your startup and you're just, you're going out and hiring people, it's, it's a completely different mindset than hiring people from, from the corporate world, right? Because the people that are more in the corporate world mindset, they're risk adverse. They don't want to say, Hey, I'm going to join a startup and I don't know if I'm going to have a job in the next month. Like the, like the people that we're working with in, in the, in the startup world and, and we're trying to hire them you got to pitch them the idea and the vision to understand that they want to be a part of something great. They want to be able to say, Hey, you know, I'm okay with taking the risk. And then when you find those people, then you need to be the Steve, you need to take the Steve job approach. Right. And so I, I love this quote by Steve jobs. It's, you know, he said, we pay you the money for you to tell us what we do, not for us to tell you what we do. Right. And so, so you go out and you, you hire the people that says, look, you know, Ken, you pitched me this awesome idea. I think you can get more people to use your product by doing this. I think if you do this, those are the people I said, okay, look, you think that I didn't think of it like that, but I, I love your enthusiasm. I love what you're trying to do. I want you on the part uh, as part of my team. And by doing that, you're, you're empowering them and you're really saying, look, you know, I mean, obviously you gotta, you gotta vet them as well and do your due diligence to make sure that they are capable of on executing on what they say they can do. But that's, that's really how you get the best talent. And when you hit the best talent, you have that strong core team that makes raising capital so much easier. That makes your success rate so much easier. And that makes you way more interesting for other people to say, look, I like what they're doing. I like that guy. And I, I see he got this other guy and I'm looking on LinkedIn and man, his, his talent is so incredible that when he goes to raise capital, I want to invest, right? And so the same thing, I, I mean, I took the same principle and as you know, I joined the board of advisors of Wimstay, when we launched on crowdfunding, it's like people saw me on there and they knew what I've been doing. And I started hyping it up saying, look, this is what we're going to do with Wimstay. We're hotels tonight for Airbnb, all the unbooked last minute stays. And as I hyped it up, it's literally like within a couple of days, we, we reached like 200K. And then next thing you know, I'm going out promoting and then it's 300K. And then I just went to the investor event. I don't even know what it is, but I'm pretty sure, you know, by the end of next week, we had half a million dollars in, in, in our crowdfunding raise on Star Engine. And, and it's really that type of motivation of, of reaching out and saying, this is what I want to do. I'm attracting incredible people, incredible founders, incredible talent, and then bringing together all these people and then saying, look, this is what we do. And if you like it, you can join us. You, you can get a piece of that. You can get a part of that ecosystem and, and really just own it. And, and at that point, I always tell people, I mean, now you're part of our family, right? And, and then people love to hear that. And that, that's, I think for me, like telling other founders to tell other, other people who join the network that say, hey, welcome to our family. It's completely game changing. With me again today, I have Ken Ma, who is the CEO and founder of Area Hype. Go to areahype.com. There's a link in the show notes for that, folks. And before we do the Founders Freestyle, and that's the way I like to end my shows. And I say my shows because I'm not the only host of Startup Hustle. Make sure you tune in for weekly episodes with Lauren Conaway, the founder of Innovate Her, and Andrew Morgans, the founder and CEO of Marknology and Amazon Brand Accelerator. Now, uh, it's probably a good time to also remind you that today's episode of Startup Hustle is brought to you by Fullscale.io. We talked enough about Fullscale in this episode. You know, we can help you build the talent, part of what Ken was talking about. And, you know, there's a huge problem to be solved with that. It's a whole nother subject. 
we couldn't even cover that in the founders freestyle. Now with the founders freestyle, I like to give guests a chance to, you know, Ken, what, what are some of the key points that, that you have taken away from our conversation today or anything we forgot to mention? Yeah, I, I would say like here in the Midwest, it's <laughs> not a lot of people know about us and not a lot of people know about what we're doing. But the key takeaway from that is you need to let them know. You need to hype what you're doing and say, this is what we're doing and let them know and, and just constantly let them know. And and then also you need to get connected with the right people. You need to, you need to say, hey, these are the right people to connect with. These are the people I need to ask for help with. These are people like here, like I asked, hey, I want to be on the show. You guys have to do that. If you want to be a founder, I mean, and, and this is why like 98% of founders fail. It's they don't go out and do the work to market themselves. You can have a great product. No one knows who you are. I mean, so what? <laughs> and, and, and so, yeah. I think, I think that, that don't, don't be the tree in the forest that everyone debates as to whether or not anyone heard a sound. I don't know if it's whether anyone heard a sound. It might be a, did anyone care? I mean, you know, I, I've worked around so many different people that are true hype beasts in many ways. Um, you know, I've been involved with guys like uh, JC Lopez at Urban Necessities, who literally built a $30, $40 million a year brand on Instagram. And you know, also look at uh, our often uh, Startup Hustle TV participant, Eric Perkins, who has just basically made himself famous on YouTube and started by just simply teaching you how he's a home builder and teaching you how to use a speed square. And all of a sudden people really liked Eric and he said, well, maybe I'll show you a little bit more about what, what we're doing. Now, one thing when it comes to that, and I think the biggest mistake that people make when it, when it comes to trying to create hype, get the word out or whatever, is that, you know, they do something for like two weeks and they're like, oh my God, I'm not famous yet. I don't have a huge following. I don't have all these views, likes, whatever. You know, honestly, Ken, I don't give a shit about likes, follows, and whatever. I don't care. I mean, this this podcast has been downloaded 2.3 million times, and that's great, but it really, in the end, I only need to reach a very small number of people to make a very, very, very impactful change or just all of it can make a big impact on my business is about the right people. And I've had some, because of this show, I, you know, any, it, it's been a while since a lot of in-person stuff occurs, but I feel like every time I talk to someone, they always want to talk about the podcast. So people are really fascinated with it. And then I often talk to other podcast hosts and they're like, well, dude, I don't know how you do it. You guys get like a hundred thousand downloads a month. And I get like a hundred and, and I'll say, if a hundred people were going to show up to hear what you had to say tomorrow, would you be excited about that? They're like, Oh yeah, that'd be freaking amazing. Okay. Then you're winning. You're winning. Cause there was a time when this podcast got a hundred downloads per, well, maybe not a hundred, got a couple hundred per episode. And you know, with, with that, we launched this whole entire show by just doing posts on social media. We, our first five episodes came out and we, we literally made an image. It's like, what do you, what do you think? Do we stink? You know, stuff like that and encourage people to listen and like, tell us why we sucked or that we didn't. And we weren't afraid to be us either. You know, episode two of this, of sub, what is now well over 750 is titled getting funded sucks. So, you know, come, come out. I, I don't like straddling the line. We have a lot of conversations about that internally when it comes to creating hype, like be you 
and pick one side of it. Like don't, the safe approach doesn't always work. You know, like if you're an advocate of something or you're on a mission to change something, get busy doing it, you know? And, and some of that is, I think important, but the, the main thing about getting yourself out there is it builds a trust factor that is, you, I, you can't buy. And, you know, and I, I have so many listeners and people that have either been on this show, listen to the show or know about the show. And that's how they heard about us. And I will just be honest with you. I don't have to spend a lot of time, if any, building credibility for the fact that we might know what we're talking about. Because they don't know until you show it. You still have to prove your value, but not having to climb over that massive credibility obstacle. You know, don't be a, uh, you know, one of the things is like you talk about LinkedIn. I mean, Ken, you do a very effective job of talking about the things that you have done successfully. And you can still be bold about that. And, you, and, and you're not bragging. I mean, that's, hey, what have I done? You know, there's a little headline on LinkedIn that'll show you about that. You know, I've been a, a founder of this many companies or an exit at this or a participant in this. You know, Forbes gave me an award earlier this year. I have Forbes next 1000. And it just lets people, you know, know who you are. Don't be shy about about wearing the gold medal around if you need to. It doesn't mean that you need to be rubbing it in people's faces, but there is a place and a forum for selling who you are and that credibility. So, you know, if you work, you work hard to, to create it, you got to flex it a little time to time. So now speaking of flexing the local hype, go check out what Ken's doing. He's working on helping you create it. There is an art and a science to it. And some people are natural at it and some people, uh, they, they could use some advice. So, so go for that advice. Ken, we are out of time. I really appreciate you joining us and giving us given insight. I do believe that so much of this episode is uh, the info and it was, it's universally helpful, not just for Midwest founders, regardless of where you're at. I think so much of this, this stuff is, 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 is very, is a good fit in a lot of different places. So I'll catch up with you down the road. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. And if anyone wants to reach out to me, you can reach out on LinkedIn. I'm always here to help founders. So if you reach out, let me know your question and I'll say, Hey, this is how I can help you. See you all next time. Startup Hustles brought to you by Fullscale.io, helping you build a software team quickly and affordably. Make sure you reach down and hit that subscribe button. Then come find us on Instagram. See you next time.